Hello, my name is Alexander Morari, and I'm the founder of ITP Media. You've tuned into our um, podcast about Central and Eastern European startups that are in series, uh, pre-series A stage. And our guest today is Gustas Germanavichus, uh, the co-founder of InRento. This is a platform that allows investors to make their money work in various real estate projects. And this is uh, the first European uh, licensed buy to let crowdfunding platform. Is this good definition? Yeah, that's that's about it. Hi, Alex. Pleasure Laba, to be here. Yes, hi, Labasritas. Uh, we had some issues uh, with uh, setting up this uh, podcast, but I think this is a good beginning for the new year, and uh, that's a signal for everybody there. Whatever the issues and challenges you have, uh, with the good you know trust and and cooperation, you will overcome them. So, as you, we usually start with the warm up, and I cannot miss the question to ask. How you like the Shaolin uh, places uh, when you spent there? How how long and why did you go there in the first place? Um, you know, I uh, once read in a book that you can go live like with Shaolin monks and mountains and train kung fu. Like yeah. it's nothing about religion or meditation. It's mainly about doing sports and martial arts. And uh, I once read about this like ten years ago in a book. And I thought, well, this is really cool. I would really want to be there. And then later on, I, I read somewhere on the internet that you can just actually come and train, you know, and you, you don't have to, you know, get in touch before reserve or anything. You just show up. And if, if, and if you'll be successful, you know, you can just come in, you know. So, so this is what I did. You know, I just flew to China and uh, knocked, you know, climbed the mountain, knocked on the door, said, hi, it's me. You know, I want to come. They said, like, you can come if you will train. And, uh, you know, that's about it. And then, you know, I, I, I spent like a week in the temple uh, doing sports six hours a day, uh, waking up like 4 a.m. Uh, it was like re really, uh, really nice experience uh, in my life. Did you know specifically what monastery or what Shaolin school, whatever you were going to? Or that was just by chance? Uh, I knew it. Like, um, Did you get in touch with them before? By the way, no, no, you cannot get in touch before. So you just uh, basically, you just go there and. So it's like I know that there are a few places, like maybe two or three in whole China, uh, but the one that I was really confident about, like at least I found some in information on the internet. Uh, so it was like in the west of China. So you know you don't have direct flights from Europe to there. So I I flew like. I changed three flights, then I took a train like for 12 hours, and then I took a taxi for two hours, and then I climbed the mountain for two hours. So it was like... And then Panda Drive. <laughs> panda Drive. Yeah, by Panda. I mean, Panda gave you a lift as well, okay? Yeah, so it was like wow. really journey, but it was well worth it. Like, um, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people who came there, they came to search something, you know, like higher meaning for life or, you know, some sort of purpose. I didn't go there for these You just reasons. wanted to kick some ass there, right? <laughs> More or less, like I just wanted, you know, I was just very curious and I just wanted to see how, how it all looks and how it all feels, you know. So for me, maybe other people can share, you know, different experience. Like from my experience, I just, I, I didn't have reached some sort of level of enlightenment, so to say, but... I just had like very good time. I, I saw, you know, how, how, what it takes, you know, to train like a monk and be a monk. And it's like very rigorous, you know, it's like a lot of discipline. It's yeah. very hard. You work a lot, you grind and it's, it's similar to a startup, you know? Yeah. Uh, 
that's about it. I wanted to make this bridge as well, of course. And uh, just before we do this, um, the question about your accommodation and all these expenses and so on. You just work in exchange for training, I, I guess, and you contribute your what physical labor and um, what do you pay for stay there, for staying there? You have to donate like a little bit to stay there, but it's very little. Like, I think I paid like something like 100 euros for, for a week, but you know, mm -hmm. you get get food so it's like it's really cheap uh plenty of you, rice i guess but but you must train like it's not like you you need to train you must train and you must train yeah. all those because you know these are these are not some monks that we see you know in european churches you know it's like these monks are hardcore you know they are like athletes if you don't train they will hit you with a stick you know they will they will say to you do 100 push-ups you don't do 100 push-ups they will shout you know they will hit you with a stick until you do 100 push-ups that's it you know this is true say, story true story with yeah. 100 yeah, yeah you you do you do what they say if you don't do you don't comply you you go away you if you train for like three hours and you say you're tired they say uh this one uh they they don't speak too much english but this one monks used to say uh no pain no gain <laughs> and he would walk around and say no pain no gain <laughs> and he says practice makes perfect you know and <laughs> and basically you cannot kid around you know like you, you just do what they say and you know you, you're just blessed you know like when you reach the evening like no more training and you, I, I can just go to sleep you know you're so happy like it's very simple where you know it's like people go to some uh, uh you know monasteries you know for silence or for something and you get enlightened and you get very happy for you know doing something in my case i'm just happy not to be training with them anymore you know it's like uh okay that's your cleansing right that's your cleansing you came for for like to stick it literally as well <laughs> and you survived and you left because you you had enough or they fired you or it just was end of your stay as planned Oh, for me, it was like I kept a pretty open schedule. So for me, I, I plan to be there somewhere between one week and two weeks. And like, yeah. if, if you just come there for fun, like one week is plenty. Like, you cannot come for earlier than a week. You can stay more. But like people I found there, they're like searching for something. And I just realized, you know, it's 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 not for me. I'm, I know what I want. You know, I don't need to search anymore. So I... I okay, okay. I so, <laughs> and and last know. question. There's no connection to internet, I understand. Oh no, no, no connection to internet, nothing. Like you just there like for a week without nothing, like barely, barely any electronics, you know, like uh, you, you can, obviously there's like a power outlet, but I think there's like two outlets, you know, for all monastery, like for 30 people. So yeah, but uh, it's to, to, to announce a third world war or similar or, or advent of uh, UFO <laughs> and uh, for some really major uh, events. Gustas, with this, let's finish this podcast. That's very interesting. Thank you very much for this contribution. Of course, of course, of course, I'm joking. Let's come back to uh, our world of... Um, uh, you know, like more digital and, and tech kind of uh, reality. You know, we will go from round to round, round one, the solution. How would you describe what you're doing? And uh, just to remind, the company is called Inrenta, and that's a uh, promising prop tech uh, company, right? 
So Invento is a platform which enables people to invest from just 500 euros into rental properties. So basically investors invest, diversify, and just like in the real investing in actual rental property, you get both rental income and when the property appreciates in value, you also get capital growth. So basically we serve clients who either don't have enough money to buy the actual rental property or have money but don't want to manage it. So they get the benefits of investing, it's passive income, you don't have to manage it, deal it with the tenants, upkeep the property, and uh, they can also sell their investment at any time on the secondary market. So it's also a big benefit for them is the liquidity compared to the actual rental property. Yeah, kind of clear, of course. And then I would say what's, what's pretty original is that it's not a crowdfunding platform for buying, investing into real estate and then appreciate, but also uh, uh, take gain from ongoing lease agreements, right? And rental, rental revenues. Um, yes. Also add, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Also add here that uh, this one unique thing that we are also offering on holiday rentals is a timeshare opportunity. So basically people who invest a little bit larger tickets, they also get nights to stay in the apartments or villas that they are funding. This way the investor gets not only financial benefits, but also the benefits of the whole asset, natural benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the right of disposal, but also the right of disposition, right? And, and usage. That's interesting. And that's a little interesting, should I say, Mm, hack to attract yeah. people. Okay, it doesn't change the world for them, but that's an interesting, interesting uh, pro- value proposition, I would say. And not sure whether this is not unique as well. I think this is unique, right? Uh, as far as this offer uh, for investors. I think yes. Like I think you know, we are applying this for crowdfunding. Timeshare as itself, it's 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 common in you know Western world, you know the US or Western Europe, but. In general, you know what we are doing at a very limited view, you can say, you know, we have zero innovation because what we do is we do fractional buying of rental real estate. So basically you, I, a couple of our friends chip in and, you know, we acquire that. You can say, look, zero innovation, but look, we put it on crowdfunding. We enable hundreds or thousands of people to join. We have secondary market, timeshare opportunities, capital growth. It all contributes, you know, so we are taking something I like to say that we, we make the most common investment type even more accessible in Europe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, through digital channels. And um, you know what, usually with this kind of platforms, the valuation is what is what 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 is what is usually like a, a very big question mark who is who is doing the valuation how is there a conflict of interest if you buy uh, from a third party valuers then there might be a case of whether or not the the pricing is reasonable you know the outcome of this valuation analysis is reasonable and oh, usually yes. usually investors for this platform are not sophisticated real estate investors right and how do you how do you marry this how so, do you how do you cover this uh, valuation valuation process for real well, estate the, the, the key information here is that we are not uh, the project owner or the borrower ourselves. We are a platform. So okay. what we do, we connect experienced real estate administrators, real estate owners to investors. So basically, we make this process look very simple, but we do a lot of hard work in the background. So basically, we do all the due diligence on the projects before listing them. So basically, 
you know, we analyze basically how we score risk is basically on three elements. So we assess the project owner, the borrower, who's going yeah. to borrow the asset. So meaning what is the price compared, you know, to third party in the independent valuations. Yeah. Uh, this is all, by the way, transparent. So all our risk scorings are transparent on the platform and also all documents related to it are also uh, transparent. So basically, you know, and the last thing is we assess the cash flow or the tenants. So basically whether the cash flow is uh, sustainable yeah. and uh, what is the history of it. So these are the three key elements. We score them naturally, again, you know, narrowing this down to like very simple concepts. But in general, we asked ourselves before listing a deal, like more or less 20 questions. We gather all these documents. Uh, we gather all those documents based on the fact, not on an opinion. So basically when we assess, for example, the financials, we don't, yeah, obviously we collect the documents, the financials for, from, from the company, the, you know, the accounts, but also we use third party systems, you know, that all the banks use to score this information. Same with the property. Yeah. Uh, we have the appraisal report, which is also the, the companies that are making the appraisal reports, they are regulated and licensed just as us. So basically we are licensed ourselves and we are working with the partners which are licensed. So highest, uh, highest quality uh, measures are being taken. Yeah, because usually your valuation or due diligence is as good as your uh, service providers or your or your valuers, basically. And who is doing this uh, for in rental? So we use for scoring financials. We use Credit Info. So uh -huh. this this is the mo or Accessor in Spain. So all banks use it. It's it's very standard and very old service for appraisal reports. We use the licensed appraisal uh, value appraisers, uh, which are licensed in each of the given countries. So we speak yeah. about Lithuania, they are licensed by appraiser association and in Spain, it's they are licensed by Bank of Spain. And you mentioned Lithuania and Spain for specific reasons. Uh, could you explain, explain those? Yeah, so this is where we are live. So basically mm -hmm. we offer opportunities to invest in Spain and Lithuania. Um, we just started in Spain, but we expect to grow fast next year in Spain. And we're also going to add one or, or two more countries to mm -hmm. invest from. And there's an interesting story behind your uh, expansion to Spain as well, uh, by the way, Gustas. How, wh why did you decide to jump over all the other uh, markets from Lithuania to Spain? How did you manage to do this? I think, you know, there's a cer cer certain level of expectation that you, you know, establish to yourself. Like, I think, obviously, we can just go to Latvia or we can go to Poland because these are neighboring countries. But uh, I think, why, why not to go big? You know, why not to go, you know, to fourth largest market in Europe? Uh, for us, like, obviously, we don't go to UK for some, some legal reasons. And for us, like Spain, for our business model is probably the largest market we can find in Europe. So that's why we selected it. There are a lot of reasons that comes down to the real estate market in particular, like, you know, the Spanish uh, real estate uh, market is very well operating. If we talk about touristical rentals and short-term rentals, we are, we are in Spain for very narrow 
types of properties and these are holiday rentals this is where we put most focus and holiday, yeah? where... okay, okay. Uh -huh. you mean holiday rentals yes okay so seaside oh, oh. mostly mm -hmm. seaside mountains but mainly seaside and also we have some shareholders from spain so you know like uh our like people in our cap table they are from spain so obviously we have a good market understanding good market know-how and uh it it's easy for us to operate in that market okay and i will drive you closer at the acquisition of a company as well which is quite recently right i think uh this year uh, 2021 I mean, uh, in 2021, right, you acquired a company uh, also Baltic, but with international roots, Singapore and all that, uh, called Beat of Property, right? Um, who approached who as far as this acquisition? It, it was me. So, so you I saw just... them, noticed them, right? And then you saw there's an opportunity. Why was the decision to acquire somebody like this? Like, while well, you are in a pretty early stage and they are also, I guess, pre-A, right, as well. And we covered them in one of the podcasts, by the way. And, and I think this is also a historical moment for, for this podcast as well, when it shows how long we've been around when one company has managed already to acquire another company also as a guest who was a guest at the podcast so that was interesting first ever so you know like the the reason was very simple so uh, i actually knew this company also for a while and mm -hmm. i thought that they could contribute to our growth and we found a mutual agreement that worked for both parties and we acquired them for us the uh to be like very frank like uh, we really wanted to also to add Estonia. Like this is again, like what I said before. It's a bit like doing something like uh, going for mediocrity. But Estonia is pretty good market if you want to do like some investment services because although it's small, but there's capital and people are very digitally uh, sophisticated. So they are not afraid to invest online, and this becomes like a good market. Whereas in Spain. You know, we need to educate people like well, what is in the rental, how does it work, is it okay to invest online, you know, stuff like this. Estonians don't have these questions. Yeah. So for us, the key reason was that we thought, okay, let's take the Estonian market, uh, do a little bit of marketing there because, you know, people are understand what we are and what we do, and this will be pretty easy. But now then that, you know, we acquired them and we are working through uh, we saw that we, we, we basically reached a conclusion that we, we don't really want to go to Estonia because it's too small market. And uh, we just uh, now we are just benefiting from the user base, which is mainly uh, same like Estonian, Finnish and German and Dutch. Yeah, OK, OK, interesting. And then in the in the in the result of this acquisition, you would say the biggest value that you got from this acquisition was what the technology or client base or the the team who probably joined you as well, right? I would say it's user base. You know, I ah, think interesting. That okay. what, what what we needed and what what we need today is a user base. So basically if we can acquire it at the right price, we will always acquire it. So mm -hmm. We find more platforms, more companies that will benefit us. We, we are just going to acquire because we see this is an easier way for us to grow because, you know, maybe, okay, you spend some money, but you, you grow faster than you would by doing some marketing. So yeah, we, we are exploring other opportunities as well to mm -hmm. follow this. 
Interesting. I would say that's a very aggressive uh, growth scenario that you have. Okay, as far as the business itself, okay, let's go through a couple of uh, metrics. Uh, I will mention a couple, then you add on. Um, you, so you mentioned the minimum investment amount is 500? Yeah. Okay. What is the declared, uh, nominally declared uh, ROI or, or yield yearly? So right now the yield is on average 7%. I think seven and one percent, seven and That's declaration or based on on, on history, historical background. This is, this is historical average okay. re, uh, return, but from rental yield. So basically, mm -hmm. it doesn't factor in the capital growth, which is going to follow. So obviously, we expect that you know this number will grow due to the capital growth that will add on on the investment return. Mm -hmm. Have you do you have a figure about the overall uh, asset value um, on the platform right now? Like what? How how do you say that gross gross so merchandise value or like what? Yes. what? Mm -hmm. GMP is almost two point six million. So say it again, two point six million euros, right? Yes. Okay. This how many properties right now? Uh, 30, 36 units of property. How would so, you describe them um, in a more uh, like universal way? This is mostly residential, I understand, mostly holidays, uh, value-wise, value mostly Spanish, right? No, uh, you know, basically, if we look at Spain, it's only holidays, and this is how it's going to remain. If we look at Lithuania, this is where we are from, this is where we understand the market well, so we want to provide some diversification for our users. So, you know, we have... We have, hall, uh, we have residential, which contributes a large share of our portfolio, but additionally, we have a lot, some, for example, clinics. Uh, we have a clinic, 10-year rental contract. We have a restaurant, also 10-year rental contract. Uh, we have some small offices, larger offices. Uh, we even have some warehouses. So it's very diversified in Lithuania because it's a small market and we can service you know, all, all, all the types. Uh, whereas, you know, abroad, we must focus, you know, so when we go abroad, we take a particular niche and uh, we go for it aggressively. Gustas, I think this is a key potential factor for explosive growth for the company. If you do not focus only on residential, which is very often the case, and uh, expand or, or keep growing in commercial real estate as well. So residential is more or less understood and it's pretty widely, I mean, popular, popularized already, but what about crowdfunding buy to let a platform for commercial real estate? Not so many, I would say. You know and what I would say? Yeah. Out, out, of, out of all the asset types of commercial real estate, what do you think is the most I don't know, promising for you, uh, even in, in Lithuania for 2022? You know, I can tell you this way, you know, markets are dy dynamic. So all markets are dynamic. Equities market, real estate market, everything changes. And like the, the last mm -hmm. couple of years that we lived through, and I think the next two years, which we are going to live through, it's heavily influenced by the COVID. Yeah. So uh, that's why I say in Lithuania, we can afford you know, to, to diversify because you know, we understand the market and we understand how everything works. I guess that the key difference you know, with the commercial uh, properties is that the return is higher. Yeah. And uh, where I think the biggest opportunity was for our investors and it's going to continue 
is the properties which are not furnished. So for example, we financed uh, a clinic. So this clinic doesn't have, didn't have the interior done. So basically no walls, no power outlets, <laughs> no, no, uh, no ceiling, you know, like empty, empty building. So, but yep. what does it mean? You mean Shell Core? You mean Shell Core just left by left after the previous tenant, or was it like Shell Core completely? Like yeah, it's Shell Core, but it's new. It's new building. So okay. basically, it's mm -hmm. new development. So the opportunity here for the investors is that the tenant will go and furnish everything. So basically, if the investors are investing and the property is like let's say acquired for 100k, and the tenant will go in sign 10-year lease agreement and then invest like 50K, it means by doing nothing, this property created value, you know, mm -hmm. by itself. Yeah. So we, have, we were successful and we already found those properties in the last year, but I think this is where the opportunity is going to live because essentially what you want to do, like in real estate, you can create value two ways. One way by doing the development or second by creating cash flow. So we focus on cash flow and the, the more value it can be created via cash flow and the less money can be invested by the investors, obviously the investors in the long term will make the most money by capital growth. This clinics or, or medical, uh, shall we call it like medical real estate, that's interesting really. And um, for those, you know, so everyone's doing vaccinations, everyone's doing uh, PGR tests. A lot of people are sick, so you know, if if you are in medical industry, probably this is you know this is a very good time for you. So it, we are also you know very happy that we can also take some momentum of that market, you know, and apply to ours. Mm -hmm. Okay, as far as um, business-wise and, and financials, if, whatever you can share with us. So what's the business model? How do you earn? What's the, what's the commission? Is there any, like spread on, on, on some fees on exiting, you know, withdrawals and so on and so on? So basically for, for the investor, investing is free. So there are zero fees for the investor, except if investor wants to sell early. So if he's using the secondary market, We'll, we will apply 2% secondary market sale transaction. Okay. So if we talk about the investor, that's it. You know, no more fees for the investor. Whereas we make money for like uh, most of the financing investment platforms charging the deal originated. So basically the borrower or the project owner, you, you, you call it what you like. Mm -hmm. uh, so we charge between 3.5% and 6% commission. So okay. we charge the fundraise and we also participate uh, in the capital gains as well. So basically when the property is sold for profit, there are three parties that share, the investors, the borrowers, and us as in rental. So by doing this, us as a company, yes, we ensure more cash flow for ourselves, but we also align everyone's interests. So basically we are not only, you know, at the beginning of the project, but we stick till the end and we are incentivized that this property would be sold as expensive as possible. Yeah. So. So this is, in a nutshell, it's pretty, pretty straight, straightforward uh, business model. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And speaking of um, profit share at the exit, what's the percentage there, more or less? Like real estate funds, like 220, they have this uh, famous we formula. Do, we do 40, 40, 20. So basically 40 goes to the investor, 40 goes to the project owner, 20% goes to us. 
but uh, we also share our 20%. So basically, if you were to invest like 50K, you would get 60 and the project owner would get 40. So yeah. we, we also share ours with the larger investors. Mm -hmm. So technically, where are you right now with as far as revenues and, and, and MRRs or uh, how so, are you calculated? Mm -hmm. So, so basically, right now, like we are at monthly revenues of month 25, 30k, and uh, we're uh, our goal right now is to reach 40, 50k uh, by early next summer. Yeah, and this is in uh, k euros, right? Yes. Okay. For 2022, where do you see the biggest potential as far as MRR growth? What what we are doing, like obviously, like we have some experience with building these investment platforms. And if you want to build your own user base, like uh, your investor community, you will spend a lot of money and it will take a lot of time because investment services is not selling shoes. You need to have a track record. You, you need to ensure people trust. And yeah. you know, there are a lot, it's very sensitive uh, industry. So what we do is then what you can do, you can acquire someone like we did at first, or you can also partners to scale your growth. So for we are doing that intensively and our plan in the first quarter next year, we're going to go live with one neobank. So this neobank facilitates 21, over 20 billion euros every year in payments. So we are going to go live in their mobile banking app. So we expect this to be a significant growth. And we are also partnering with insurance companies so basically, you know, those that sell insurance. So we also like now we just signed an agreement with fourth largest one in Lithuania uh, or third one. I can't recall, but they are quite big. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to, um, we see that this is working and we can scale faster. And eventually, like when you do this and you boost up, you know, your community, then you can just enjoy, you know, the benefits of like the, uh, refer a friend campaigns and uh, once you get bigger track record uh, you know your community starts to grow more organically right right now like it's growing organically but this is definitely not the number and pace that we would be happy with you know like what we want to do you know we we want to grow at least three times a year you know so this is this is the least uh, amount of growth that we put as a goal to ourselves so obviously grow it organically, also offering people to invest in six, seven percent investments. It's, it's not that easy. You know, if you offer 12 percent, 15 percent or you offer crypto, you know, people people are more eager to invest. In our case, you know, we are not selling some sort of like a magic box. We are selling uh, something very clear, very understandable and to a person who knows what he wants. And, you know, this person that the person that we are serving is very risk averse. So yep. the person, that our target client is the one who you would who used to invest in bank deposits. So imagine our daily mission, our daily work, convincing this person that he should invest in in rental because it's okay. It's a little bit higher risk, but you get higher return. So yep. this is our type of client because if you look at like Europe in general, if you have a person who invests five between five thousand and one hundred twenty-five thousand euros. He doesn't have many alternatives. Real estate is too expensive. Uh, 
you know, he can invest in bank deposits, he can invest in insurance, uh, you know, insurance products. And uh, besides that, they, obviously they can invest in stocks, but Europe has a very low financial literacy. So basically these people don't really have too many places where to invest. So this, this is the, our ideal customer. This is, you know, the customer that we target. And this is the reason why, you know, we are making real estate accessible, but not accessible to everyone. So what I mean by that is that, you know, this, this is the reason why our minimum tickets is 500 euros, not 50 euros or 100 euros or 10 euros like some companies do. We, our focus and goal is uh, have maybe not the largest number of users, but largest portfolio per user, because what we can achieve then we can uh, give the client uh, an experience which is very similar, you know, to investing in funds and investing in investment brokerages, you know, we have uh, seven days a week support, uh, you know, we have people who, you know, our customer, like investor relations people, they are licensed. So we are as a company licensed, but what we, what I care that people who are dealing with clients, they would also have uh, investment advisor licenses as well. So what it means that these people are like really well educated and they understand the risks and they are credible and knowledgeable enough to basically give support to people. This is what I wanted to ask as well. So when I heard about your minimum uh, investment amount of 500 euros, for me, that was a sign that you wanted to popularize, to democratize, but also to bring down the financial saviness of your potential investors. And now you say that this is not the case. Then uh, to, to prove this or this proof, maybe here's a question I think uh, might help us understand this a little bit better. How many, how many investors of yours uh, have invested in more than one project in more than five projects on the platform this type of yes more, more than one everyone oh, uh, wow okay except you know those that joined in december but in general mm -hmm. every, no one joins just for one deal and you know this is what we are targeting because this is what i said before you know people invest uh 50 uh there are a lot of platforms that offer 50 and 100 euros and this is they collect people who invest 50 euros each month what we do, we collect and target people who invest 500 euros each month. So this is the difference in strategy. Obviously, our strategy is flawed in that way that uh, it's cheaper to acquire uh, the 50 euro client than it is 500 euro client. But at the same time, our cost of managing them is smaller. So in the past, we did a platform where, you know, everyone can invest 50 euros. And we just saw that Basically, from my standpoint, uh, this is mainly based only on my personal experience and my personal opinion. But I feel that the you know the the silver lining should be somewhere there in the middle uh, that you can uh, not not the most accessible one, maybe, but at the same time you can provide very good service for for the client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And with this amount, you maybe insure yourself against um non-experienced or rookie investors on the platform okay exactly this is this is one 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 also like uh thing that we put a lot of focus we care that our users would understand the risk you know where they invest so obviously this comes down to you know our higher minimum ticket and additionally it comes down that you know we did do risk assessment tests of each user so each user needs to understand the risk before you know beginning to invest on our platform 
So this is what we really put a lot of attention and effort on as well. Gustav's great. Let's move on. Uh, round two, competitors. Competitions are many, multitudes, should I say. Um, we will not be able to go like through them one by one, but as a whole, where do you see, again, maybe to sum up your competitive edge related to competitors? And if you, if you like to mention somebody that you really want to throw, you know, your gauntlet at them, uh, let's, let's deal with them as well. Uh, look, like the definition of competitor in our industry is very broad because you know, like what we essentially do, we enable people to invest. So basically we compete against everyone in the financial industry, you know, we compete okay. against banks. But I guess if we narrow down, you know, and where we essentially want to be in terms of positioning and in terms of uh, competitors and who we compete against, we don't want to compete against crowdfunding platforms. And this is not who we position ourselves. We position ourselves as investment platform. What I'm trying to say by this, that usually crowdfunding platforms, they offer a higher return, higher risk product. So this is not what we are offering. We are looking somewhere there on the lower scale. So as we grow, obviously right now we have small competitors, which are vital platforms. They are not regulated. Uh, they are not providing, for example, they, you know, they don't have the licenses. They, they don't provide the level of service that we provide. But as time will go, you know, these will, they will become irrelevant because they are very, very small, even compared to us right now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think we will be somewhere between, you know, bank deposits and uh, between uh, insurance products. So this, this is our goal. So this is who I want to compete, so compete against and be in the largest markets uh, there is not to be in crowdfunding market, so to say, which is very limited and a very limited number of people invest, but to be, you know, in the largest market there is in the world financial market and uh, to compete against bank deposit products. Okay. This is what, this is where I want to be. And this is the, the level uh, of expectation uh, I set to myself and to my team. Yeah, yeah. Before we move on, um... Currently, you focus on private investors. Somewhere down yeah. the road, do you see in rental growing into an attractive product for, should I say, B2B or institutional investors or, you know, um, uh, bigger asset managers, financial asset managers? So, you know, I can, I can tell you this, uh, this way. Uh, we don't limit our user base to be only retail. We already have, you know, investors, partners, who are considered institutionals are very high net worth individuals. So we are already serving them. But I feel that uh, at least in the short term, in three, four years, this is not where our focus should be. Because look, there is a very clear product that I explained before uh, in European market. People between 5K and 125K investable uh, cash, they don't have you know, many opportunities you know, okay. where to so this is a very specific product uh, problem. And uh, right now, our goal is to solve it. If we start uh, focusing you know, on and trying to sell for institutional investors, we, I think we will lose our momentum. Today, we are here for the, you know, this uh, small investor uh, to understand and you know, serve his needs. 
as we grow bigger and uh, our track record appears, I believe it's just a matter of time when the institutionals will come. Actually, not come, but will more of them will come than there are today. Okay. Okay. I think it would it would be interesting for potential clients, but also potential investors and and maybe employees at some some level to understand your long term strategy and what you say right now is big enough big enough a vision should I say because so many so many private investors or rental level I mean retail level of investors looking at their bank deposits right now and uh, probably are not happy at all with what they see there with all the potential or actual uh, returns and products like yours suggest something uh, concrete known just as you say it's good old brick and mortar through more fluid smooth let's say and and liquid digital channels basically just as you said you open up doors to real estate investment to people uh, that are motivated already by the external factors basically to at least give it a try right at platforms like yours gustas thanks let's move on round three uh, quick q a you are a busy founder co-founder shaolin you passed shaolin test already and anyways what are your productivity hacks that you could share with us not the tools but the ways you do things okay um i do sports and I, I always read a book before I go to sleep because it helps me to unwind. And uh, I always listen to podcasts because it really helps me to fall asleep quickly after a long day. But these, these are the only three things I would say that it's like not, nothing, you know, special. Uh, in general, you know, I am this high energy person and, you know, I, I, I don't have to listen to like motivational talks, you know, to get myself going. I, you know, like how, how I view things right now, you know, it's not like I have an option, you know, you, you don't have an option when you do a startup, like if, if you do a startup and, you know, you raise capital, you need to deliver the results. There is no time for later. There is no time I will do something tomorrow. You do it today until things are being done, you know, and uh, for myself, I, I don't, I cannot get restless. Uh, I cannot get rest, you know, before I complete things. And, uh, you know, it's also part of, you know, self-judgment, you know, like for me, I'm, uh, self-critical and I will always consider that, you know, I, I fail to execute and uh, every month could be better, you know, even if it's a record one, we can push harder, move forward. Yeah, but, yeah. It's but, like you, you have to chew your glass looking down into the abyss, right? You remember this? Somebody said from the like gurus, uh, making a startup is like chewing chewing glass standing on the precipice of a huge, uh, you know, uh, 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 abyss. Uh, actually so sports what kind of sports right now just you know jim uh you know a lot of things change since yep. uh, you know the pandemic before i used to play basketball you know and do other sports but right now you know like our, our options are limited so you know i'm 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 at least grateful that you know right now it's minus 10 in vilnius and you know i, I can go after you know to a gym and work out and it will it will not be freezing cold yeah book uh what's the current book you're reading that helps you fall asleep quick <laughs> books books don't help me fall asleep quick uh but uh basically podcasts do uh <laughs> because you know I'm... all of it right is this the case like because you know all of it or you choose uh, the podcast this is really helping you avoid sleeping for, skills 
for me it's like falling help falling fast asleep helps like listening to the basketball podcast or sport podcast ah, I, i see know. i see okay it's just <laughs> it just helps me fall asleep you know it's like some, some sort of like a magic trick i found like before i i if i work a lot i go to sleep like two hours i i i you know i I lay, I cannot fall asleep. I think about work, about stuff. And now, now you know, I, 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 I listen like for 10 minutes and then I fall asleep. Uh, I know this would help me as well. If I listen to a basketball podcast in Lithuanian, I would fall asleep maybe in five minutes. <laughs> if we speak about um, books like, uh, yeah. I like reading like a lot about business and uh, biographies, but I, I also love reading about history. So there is one book I'm now reading, which I highly recommend to you. Yeah, I, I don't remember uh, the name, but the author wrote also another book, uh, which I also re read recently. It's called Prisoners of Ge Geography. So it basically explains the 21st century and the history of the countries based on the maps. So basically what maps and geography can tell about uh, society and the uh, history and the politics of the country. So it's really, really interesting. Now there's a second part So if you like want to be up to date and like to understand like how, how the global politics uh, are being shaped, like I, I highly encourage you uh, to read those two books. They are very entertaining and you learn a lot. Gustas, let's agree you will follow up with a link or name, exact name of the books and authors. Okay, we'll put this, uh, this into the description. Uh, okay. I, I think that's, that's interesting. And one last question here in this round, what exotic, program, I mean, app, uh, application, tool, program, uh, you discover that helps you a lot. You know, like on TikTok, there are like thousands of uh, people that sharing, that share with you a secret uh, uh, app, app that should be illegal <laughs> and so on and so on. So not, not like uh, Asana, Trello, you know, Slack, something really unique, exotic, maybe that you discovered in you. I am like, wow. Now it's not exotic, but I think when I started using it, it, it was quite exotic back then. So it's Aura Ring. Say it again. Aura. I don't know if you know. It's like this this ring that you have, like I have on my hand. And oh, okay. It's like your health tracker. So basically, it, rings it, an well. mm -hmm. it analyzes your sleep. It analyzes like uh, your energy, like your activity. So, I mean. I still don't, I'm still not sure whether this actually helps, but it makes me feel like it's helping. So, <laughs> so I think it, it's, it could be, but I see a lot of entrepreneurs right now are buying, but it's really good. Like before I used to have this problem that I would do too much sports and I would be tired. And basically with this ring, I just, I am able to focus more on rest. So basically sleep and rest in general. So my general productivity levels uh, have grown. I would say that. Round four, the company. And just to remind, in Rento. Uh, so the founder, uh, Gustas Germanavicius, is a repeat businessman acquiring, exiting companies, basically. Tell us more about the, uh, the, the, the company, uh, the team right now. How many people, how many co-founders you have? Um, and are you growing? Do you have any plans for recruitment for 2022? So right now we are more or less 15 people. Mo most of the people work in the IT. Uh, I am founder of Inrento. So basically for the next year, we expect to grow the team also. Like if 
I think that uh, I don't have the specific number because you know I don't hire people just for the sake of hiring them. So I would say that it's it would be safe to assume that you know our team will grow to maybe twenty five or thirty people, but I don't have the specific number because. Uh, essentially, like uh, what I found that you know you you hire when you have the need, uh, not just to hire for to hire for metrics or uh, statistics. Clear. So mostly are uh, at the back end and uh, coders, programmers. Do you have anybody on the front line, um, marketing, sales? Yeah, you know. So we have we have I think now seven eight people team. So. We have marketing, we have sales, we have uh, product, we have uh, we have people who assess risk, we have a legal uh, person. We also hire people locally, for example, in Germany for expanding like our affiliate uh, network. So we have affiliate uh, affiliates managers in Germany and abroad, you know. And we we are growing like when uh, obviously when we started markets and like for example like in Germany this was the same case. We, there's no need for us to hire like full-time person, you know. So we start we start gradually by you know fi finding someone if there is not enough work for full-time, and mm -hmm. we scale it up. But sometimes you know just from the beginning there is so much work that you know we can just take take in the person full-time from the moment we start. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, reasonable. As far as recruitment process, do you have any peculiar or interesting uh, processes, procedures that you go through, or this is more of a? You know, we, I would say that you know we we do like uh, I would say that the two strategies that are actually working is first one the HR agency, so basically use headhunters because the business that we are in like. It's very similar to what you have with developers. It's the industry that we are in. It's it's not like ten people will do the job, you know, ten times uh, faster or better. You know, in our case, uh, we might much better hire a much senior person because he can do the job of five people. If we talk about risk assessment and, uh, for example, legal uh, processes, same for developers. So what we are hiring, we are focusing more on senior people. And uh, for that, it's best headhunters, or in second uh, way, it's asking people that we would hire, but they don't join for some some reasons. Who would they recommend? So we found out that bo both of these strategies work. Like if you work in fintech and you are in Vilnius, you know, like half of half of Vilnius works in fintech. So it's very competitive market. And if you want people like with background in asset management, investment brokerage, stuff like this. It's impossible to find people, so you you're only left with these two strategies. And to be like very frank, I would say that for me, like until September, this was the biggest hassle. Uh, like this was was my key challenge and my main bottleneck for growth. Like right now, we I think we figured this out for like next next sort of uh, stage. Uh, so now we are good to go. We have the process. We know how to hire. But I guess that when we will need to, you know, increase these numbers, like let's say double or triple, uh, we will run again into these challenges. But I guess you know, I'm I'm not I'm not the only one who complains that there are no developers on the market, you know, to hire. So I guess that you know, more or less, a lot of startups are in position that uh, I am in, and uh, you know, 
it's it's a startup you know it's all it's a constant challenge you know every day you have to uh you have to uh, you know do a challenge but if you don't have a challenge then you challenge yourself you know for something it's yeah. just the waste yeah nobody else to pass the responsibility uh to yeah now now with this in mind with all the recruitment challenges and so on and uh highly highly competitive baltic human capital asset market should i say are you uh are you hiring are you open to hire people remotely and yes. um to share you you are okay do you have yeah. currently technical guys working remotely or all in the office not only technical not only technical we we as a team in lithuania we are only five people ah, everyone is abroad so basically we only uh, basically we need lithuanian team only to service lithuanian market i see okay, we don't need Lithuanians, and I guess that you know the the more people we bring, also with different backgrounds, the more it benefits you know to the growth of our company. So you know we have now people from like quite a few uh, states in Europe. Here's the tagline for for this podcast: We don't need Lithuanians, says Gustas <laughs> from Inrento. Joking, of course. Let's move on. <clears throat> Uh, last but not least, round five, formal F3, this is funding for the future. And before future, let's uh, see where you stand uh, as far as your historical um, historical uh, dimension. I will go through a couple of uh, milestones, and if anything is wrong, correct me, please. So by now, in two rounds around, um, you, you've raised around 660,000 euros, and this is pre-seed and seed round and um, guys, organizations like Startup Wise Guys and Business Angel Fund, Angels Fund, all local, right, uh, have been involved. And this allowed you in the meantime to expand to Spain, but also do a, uh, an acquisition of a bit of property. And now what's your plan for the next round? So we plan to raise a round of at least 1 million euros uh, in early summer next year. So right now we are still growing the numbers and getting where, where we want to and speaking with some investors. So also just to clear things up before previous your comment is like, not all our investors are from Lithuania. We have, you know, funds investing from, you know, abroad like uh, Hong Kong and we have uh, investors also from UAE. So we are going global. What essentially what we've been doing until now and what they want to continue doing we are not looking only for capital just for money. There's a lot of money in the market and you can just go and collect it and it's it's not that hard. What we are looking for, we are looking for value investors. So basically someone who will create us value. So all the investors who are in our cap table, they are either real estate brokers, yeah. real estate developers, traders, uh, investment brokers, uh, people who exited or participated in exits of 100 million euros or billions companies. So, you know, we are like the, the, the investors that backed us, you know, they create to us value besides money. And this is our goal going further because, you know, just, just to get money, you can get money, but does, is money always the answer? Uh, no, like, uh, obviously, like, as I told you, we have a challenge of, you know, we had the challenge of hiring uh, employees. So basically, if an investor can help with that, you know, it reduces, you know, the 
the challenges and responsibilities you have uh, as a founder. And all the uh, UAE or, or Hong Kong investors you, that you mentioned, they are they are uh, private investors, right? I mean, physical physical uh, persons rather than uh, VCs or, or, or established organizations or something. These are private investment Angels, companies. Right? Okay. Private, private investment companies, okay. Mm -hmm. So this would be a better definition of this. VCs right? or they are more on the real estate kind of investment uh, side, like funds? I would say very broad. Okay. I, would say, I would say like it's, uh, people are highly experienced and a bit like, investment products in general so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and last thing this uh, series a i guess right this would be series a at one million or so i mean like or whatever yeah whatever this, let's say this it, next it, financing whatever yeah. <laughs> having you see companies doing pre-seed seed and then pre-seed of seven million so it's like you, you i think that lately you can just call it how you want it so yeah true <laughs> the next round Next round, yes, indeed. There was a switch uh, in states, for instance. Whatever was uh, considered to be Series A amounts, right now it's pre-seed, pre-seed, and like a huge inflation, you could say, on the VC uh, on the VC market there. Maybe not yet felt here in Central Eastern Europe, um, but at least that's that's the trend. Gustas, that's been a pleasure. We have to wrap up now. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, good luck with your further expansion in Europe. You, you created your, your four posts in the two extreme, let's say, locations in European, and you just have to, to fill in the gap with the uh, platform and, and your footprint. Thank you very much. Thank you, Alice. Thank you. All the best. Bye.